Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. You know, on this podcast, I've spoken to a lot of people about work and careers, but one area I really haven't explored is hourly workers and the special stresses that hourly workers are under. People who get paid by the hour as opposed to in salary make up the majority of workers in the U.S. and Canada, and in some cases, that's because of temporary circumstances. They're teenagers, they're working part-time to bring in a secondary income, but in many cases, it is a permanent circumstance. And as a group, they're under a lot of financial stress, and that is relevant to the organizations who are trying to hire them. Because right now, there's a shortage of workers in many industries. We're here constantly. It's impossible to get labor in restaurants or stores, and wage hikes are not really doing it either. So what is it that workers want, and what can we do to give it to them? Well, my guest today is Sabina Bacha. She's Chief Customer Officer of PayActive. That's a platform that gives workers earned wage access, or basically the right to get their earnings without a waiting period. I talked to her about that, but also about the broader question of financial stress for workers and, you know, the issues around that. It was a really interesting discussion. It's a subject I think we need to be talking about more. Please stay with us. Well, as companies struggle to find hourly paid workers, what can companies do to attract them and keep them there? My guest today is Sabina Bacha. She is Chief Customer Officer at PayActive, and she joins me to talk about the ways that companies can perhaps make incomes easier to access and how that can help with financial stress, which is something that is plaguing workers across the board. Sabina, thank you so much for joining me. Linda, excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there's a lot to talk about in terms of hourly paid workers. And I have to say, it's something I haven't covered a whole lot on this podcast. We talk about a lot of issues, but I think it's a segment that sometimes gets forgotten. But until we get to that, I'd like to just start by asking you about your own background, because it's kind of interesting. You didn't start doing exactly what you're doing now. Uh, uh, Thank you for asking. Um, uh, And you are correct. Uh, So going back about 25, uh, 30 years, actually, I spent about 20 years um, on Wall Street as a hedge fund analyst from New York. Uh, So um, within my heart, I am a New Yorker. Uh, But I always had this one missing link, which was the tech. I had the fin, but I didn't have the tech. And I've I've always been fascinated with engineering and technology. And I thought the best way to learn more about it was really to work at a fintech firm. You know, 2008 happened. And uh, I think it was a great opportunity for me to explore the things I could do given my finance background. So I moved uh, to California in 2015 to help uh, build and grow PayActive. So I've been here since the early days of PayActive. I've held various roles at PayActive. And today, um, my role is primarily strategic uh, customer relationships and experience. So that is really my background. Was there a conscious decision to not want to work on Wall Street anymore or just to try something different? I think the conscious decision was I had a very strong finance background. I had worked on various financial instruments going from equity to convertible debt to options to derivatives. And I thought I could do even more with my knowledge. 
So um, I thought if I understood the technology side of things, I could use uh, my financial knowledge for good. Well, tell me a little bit of a payactive. It's uh, a platform, correct? Correct. Um, uh, the payactive was our, you know, payactive was started about eight years back. Our uh, founder and CEO, Sapansha, invented a category called earned wage access. You'll sometimes see it referred as EWA. But what earned wage access is, and, you know, Linda, it's always easier to remember and understand using a, you know, story. So think about the hourly worker. And, you know, when I talk about the hourly worker, that is 44% of American workers that are employed in low-wage jobs in the front line of industries, right? So think about that hourly worker that clocks in, works seven, eight, nine hours, you know, it's never certain if they're going to work eight hours like you and me, or is it going to be three hours or is it going to be nine hours? But they come in, they clock in, they work their day, and then they clock out. Now, that hourly worker, which is usually making less than $20 an hour, they have to wait to get paid. So that is the crux of the problem, the lack of liquidity for this hourly worker while they're waiting to get paid. We at PayActive discovered that if we actually solved that liquidity issue for the hourly worker, it's great for your people, it's great for your business, and it's definitely great for your community. So our platform, you can consider our platform is a technology platform that actually allows the worker to get access to their earned but unpaid wages so they can get through their day-to-day expenses and focus more on work than their financial worries, which is obviously very good for the businesses. Well, you know, we see these statistics, but it's shocking how many people do live paycheck to paycheck. It's what, in the U.S., it's uh, 60-something percent, I believe, in some surveys. Actually, Harvard um, Harvard Business Review just came out uh, with this number, and they said, Um, 44% of American workers are employed in low-wage jobs at the front line of industries. Um, The low wage is defined as approximately $20 per hour or less. So, you know, you have a large percentage of Americans in that state, and it becomes very, very expensive to be poor. And, you know, we'll get into the details of why it is expensive to be poor. But that is a huge percentage of our population. We have to take care of that. Well, just to get back on the paycheck to paycheck part of it, though, I found the stat that I was looking for was 78% of Americans say they are living paycheck to paycheck. And I was surprised that 9% of people who make six figures say they're living paycheck to paycheck because they spend a lot of money. Uh, take us through you know, what you've observed in terms of how people have to cope with this if you're waiting for that check. Sure. So I'm glad you started with you know, my history as to you know, what I did in the past. You know, I've been through the 2008 crisis. I know what that did. But I also saw a great bailout of a lot of banks that went through the 2008 crisis. Now look at the hourly worker that is having a problem with liquidity off their earned income because of that two-week pay cycle. So what does their life look like? Linda, you're a second late 
and a penny short because, you know, a bill came through, you know, during the payroll period and you just did not have funds. What happens? You get dinged with an overdraft fee. But that is just one piece of the puzzle. Along with an overdraft fee comes a late fee, a disconnect fee, a reconnect fee. And that is just one fee that I'm talking about that makes up about $35 billion a year. If you actually put in all the other fees included, it's about $200 billion a year paid by Americans that are forced to live paycheck to paycheck because of that lack of liquidity. No way can they save. No way can they be engaged at work. No way can they even show up at work sometimes because they don't have liquidity for gas. So that is really the state of the hourly worker. If you actually look back at you know the last couple of years during the pandemic, right? Everybody talks about the vaccine. Right. But there were actually two kinds of vaccines that were provided during the pandemic. One was your vaccine for COVID. But there was one other one other vaccine. And that vaccine was to solve the financial stress of our essential worker, of our hourly worker. And that was your twelve hundred dollar stimulus check. Right. But if this continues you know, your overdraft fees, all these other predatory fees, how many stimulus checks are we going to get, right? So we have to solve the source of the problem. And the source of the problem is I come in today, I work today, I need to get paid today. And, you know, so we, you know, we believe it's their right. If you earned it and you need it, you should be able to access it. Now, you talked about the cost to workers who are trying to get to get to the next paycheck. You didn't really mention the payday loan industry, but obviously this is what has sprung up to deal with this gap. Yes, exactly. And that is, you know, part of your 200 billion in fees, right? It's unfortunate, right, that they have to go to a payday loan place. You know, a lot of payday loans have APRs of 300, 400%, but let's not ignore the payday loan places that are online or in states that don't have any caps. A $200 access to fund might mean that the hourly worker has to pay thousands of dollars to return those funds. How does that solve the problem? We we don't want to say anything negative about, you know, what payday loans are doing or, you know, what other institutions are doing, they are also solving a problem. We choose to solve the problem in a different way. Then what you do is important, but how you do it is even more important. And, you know, I would love to talk about, you know, our mission towards, you know, being a B Corp and conscious capitalism. We are trying to do it the right way. Well, it's a good time to have these discussions because, for once, it seems like hourly paid workers have a little bit of leverage. Like pre-pandemic, they were maybe ignored. Uh, beginning of the pandemic, they were hit really hard. And now that there is hiring again, and it's all over. Uh, I'm actually based in Canada. You're in the U.S., but we're seeing the same thing in lots of countries. There seem to be not enough workers. Now, lots of theories on this. I mean, people have exited for different reasons. But I'm interested to hear yours. What happened to the workers that were supposed to be available that were there before the pandemic? So you're correct, right? They have the power today to move the needle, right? But today our workforce 
is uh, the Gen Z. It is the gig workers. It is a combination of all of them that are looking for faster pay, more pay, and it has to be outcome-based. They want instant gratification. If you actually look at uh, the global population, about 1.2 billion people, that is almost a third of the global workforce, is working as freelancers. 59 people or 36% of the workforce considers themselves as freelancers in the U.S. itself. You know, is it the Uber generation, right? I work today, I need to get paid today. But the other thing that is happening, and that is where, you know, we defined what essential worker is. You know, when we thought about essential workers, you know, it was the healthcare workers, workers working for senior living. But the pandemic taught us that when you walked into a grocery store, when Amazon dropped off a package for you, could you survive through the pandemic without them? You could not. They are your essential workforce. So the essential workforce is telling businesses that, you know, you would have a set of benefits for your salaried employees. And you had a different set of benefits for the hourly employees that won't do anymore. Your benefit structure has to be aligned across the organization. And that's the dialogue we are having with organizations today. I speak to customers all day long, every day, and sometimes seven days a week. They are telling me, Sabina, we would love to have a retention problem. That made no sense to me. Their biggest problem today is recruiting. Yes. Right? So the relationship between a business and an hourly worker cannot just be transactional. You have to look at their needs outside of work. Today, the two biggest needs are transportation and childcare. You cannot ignore that. If you ignore that, they won't show up at work. So organizations, we've been lucky to speak to so many organizations that have been so supportive. They understand their need and they are stepping up to fulfill that need. Hence, you know, one-stop shop where you can provide not just a short-term solution, but a long-term solution for the financial wellness of not just your salary workers, of also the hourly workers has become part of the deal. Have you talked to some of the workers who actually need to use this service? I know you speak to the companies, uh, but what's the feedback in terms of their financial stress and what they need? You mentioned childcare and the like, but you know, accessing the money, what's the difference in their lives? Absolutely. We run tons of surveys. We speak to users every day, thousands of users every day. And most recently, actually, just a couple of weeks back um, towards the end of January, we ran a survey. Um, across 2 million users. And I have results for you. You're an economist, Linda, so you'll appreciate data. And the results were 95% of the hourly workers are interested in working for an employer who provides earned wage access. 89% would be willing to work longer if they had access to EWA. And 79% said that they would be willing to move employers to get access to earn wage access. So you cannot ignore that. Instant gratification, but most importantly, just access to whatever you worked for. That is what they want. 
That's great. I mean, you may think this is a naive question, but what about getting people to the point where they're not that desperate? Are we even having that conversation? Because presumably, yes, you want the money you've made this two weeks, so you don't want the lag, but surely people should have money from the last two weeks or the last months. Are we getting you know any progress on saving? Is this even a goal? 100%. 100%. And I'll tell you why I say this. So we've created uh, what we call the livelihood index. Uh, let me define how we look at livelihood. Livelihood is basically a means of securing the necessities of life. Necessities means food, fuel, auto, shelter, phone, internet, you know, uh, some kind of clothing, sleep, things like that. What our goal is that a hourly worker with access to their earned but unpaid wages gets through that basic need, livelihood. I have access to my earned but unpaid wages, all my expenses that fall between pay periods, I can take care of that versus spending $35, $40 on overdraft fees. So, you know, that $200 billion in fees that is paid on an annual basis by hourly workers. Now, that is distracting. That doesn't help in savings, right? So when you don't have that liquidity, there will be a bank there or there will be a financial institution there that will find a way to monetize on your weakness. So what we are saying is that give them access to their liquidity. Let them take care of their business. And now look at you know Maslow's hierarchy, right? So you go up the ladder. You, you meet your uh, you know, basic needs. Then you go up to your safety and security, love and belonging, self-esteem, self-actualization. Then you get into the savings. I feel confident I can take care of my day-to-day, right? Now I can show up at work on time. Now I'll go grab that shift. Now I want to be part of the culture of the organization. Now I also have employers that are so engaged in my life. They want to make it better. That is a dialogue we're hearing from employers. Then is your long-term goal of financial wellness. So we are seeing it. It takes time, but we are seeing it and we're taking the right steps to get there. You mentioned conscious capitalism earlier. Sabina, what's your definition of that? For us, purpose and profit are equally important. Um, If you look at our organization, our model, our pricing model, our platform, everything is aligned to help the user. I'll give you one example. During the pandemic, uh, we excused all fees for the users, all fees, whether it was access through an instant deposit, whether it was through an ACH transfer, whether it was through a cash pickup, whatever it might be, we just excused all fees, right? What we could have done is we know the hourly worker needs funds instantly. What we could have done is we could have excused everything else, but still charge them for the instant fees. That's not the right way to take care of users. Instead, what we did was excused all fees, right? Another thing about us is that we don't want a transaction-based model right? We have allowed the user the flexibility that, hey, I pulled out $40 to take care of the bill. 
maybe my calculation was wrong and an emergency happened, I need to take out more funds. So we have more of a membership model instead of a transaction-based model. So our model, uh, you know, our message to the users, our priority is all towards the user. We believe that we have to do the right thing for the user and then we can see the impact on the business and to the community. Uh, we don't uh, pick and choose how we serve employers. We are serving users. So my, my smallest business that I serve is two employees. And the largest business I serve has more than a million employees, right? So it's the mindset of doing it the right way. And it starts from the culture of the organization. We are all very user-centric, very user-based. So purpose and profit is very, very important to us. We, they are equally aligned for us. Very ambitious goals uh, and ambitious project. Hopefully we see some progress on this as we come out of the pandemic and into the next phase of whatever work life is. Sabina, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much, Linda. I appreciate it. Sabina Bacha is Chief Customer Officer of PayActive. Well, that's it for today. If you want to know more about Sabina and her work, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did like this conversation about work and the stresses of work and the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That will really help people to find us and help us to keep these discussions going. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. 